It goes without saying that we want to do right by our organizations and for the people we're leading. And we also want to do right for our own careers. On today's episode, the former president of UPS on his journey and advice for us on how to advance our own leadership careers. This is Coaching for Leaders, episode 267. Produced by Innovate Learning, maximizing human potential. Greetings to you from Orange County, California. This is Coaching for Leaders, and I'm your host, Dave Stahoviak. Leaders aren't born, they're made. And this weekly show will give you access to the best thinkers, resources, and actions to help you develop your leadership skills. I'm so glad you joined in today. We've got a guest today that I know is going to really provide some wonderful perspective for many of us on a question that is uh, one that I get a bunch from the Coaching for Leaders community. And the question is roughly this, how do I do a great job of leading and influencing and serving in my organization and at the same time also be thinking proactively on how I continue to grow my own career. And today's guest I know is going to bring some fabulous perspective on that, and that is Ron Wallace. Ron is the former president of UPS International. During his tenure, he was responsible for operations in more than 200 countries and territories with more than 60,000 people under his direction. He also served on the corporate management committee that oversaw the day-to-day operations of UPS and its 435,000 employees. Uh, But he started his career as a driver with UPS, and he's the author of the book, Leadership Lessons from a UPS Driver, Delivering a Culture of We, Not Me. Ron, I, I have to admit, I did not know UPS had close to half a million employees. That's such a big organization. Uh, it is. And uh, over the years, we started in 1907 with four people as a messenger company under the sidewalk at uh, Second Main in Seattle. And it's grown, uh, as you mentioned, to a worldwide company uh, with uh, a little over 400,000 people. It's such an impressive organization. It's so impressively run. And so much of our economy and infrastructure in so many ways relies on UPS. And I thought it'd be fun before we get into some of the lessons that I know you have to share with us, just to talk about your start with UPS. Uh, You mentioned in the book that you started as a driver. And tell us about your start and how you got involved with the organization. Uh, I did. I lived in uh, northern Idaho. Uh, I grew up not in poverty, but I guess you could say near poverty. Worked in a sawmill and got an opportunity to work for UPS, a company that uh, was expanding in northern Idaho and other states and knew nothing about them, but became very interested, was interviewed and uh, hired. And I might mention that uh, UPS is a promotion within company. So I started as a driver, worked my way up, uh, as you mentioned, to uh, uh, president of UPS International as on the management committee. But uh, I think that's one of the biggest opportunities and draws to UPS because all of management, with very, very few exceptions, started as an hourly person, most as part-timers. For an example, we had one CEO start as a part-time car washer. Uh, others started as part-time loaders and uh, worked their way through the driving ranks into management. And those few exceptions, even when we hire for specialty jobs we don't have within our ranks, uh, they're required to be a driver. They have to know and understand the heart of our business. So when they manage it and they oversee people, 
they know what they're talking about. And uh, I think that's one of the biggest, uh, when we talk about values-based cultures, our promotion within policy does wonders for us. Uh, we believe the managers who come up through the ranks are more committed, aligned, experienced. The company's legacy and culture is passed on seamlessly from one generation to the next. So uh, we really focus on hiring people when they are young and attempt to keep them throughout the, an entire career. So we don't hire people for jobs. We hire people for careers. Well, that's really, uh, it's really fascinating because one of the things that I noticed right away when I saw your book is the title, Leadership Lessons from a UPS Driver. And it was interesting to me that the book is not called Leadership Lessons from the President of UPS. And I suspect that that reflects the values, not only that you bring, but the values of the organization of the focus on the the work that drivers do each day. You're absolutely right. It, uh, the driver is our uh, ambassador. They're the ones that the customers see. When you think about UPS, uh, I think you get a couple images. The first one being that driver. and Everybody talks about their driver and how much they love their driver. Uh, it becomes part of uh, almost of their family and their business. And then secondly is the UPS car. And then all those other hundreds of thousand people behind the scenes are all important, all play a critical role, but to really aid and assist and, uh, for the driver. And uh, it works as a one big family all working together. The driver is UPS. There's no question about it. When I chose the title, it really was for that reason, is to, uh, uh, is to pay tribute to all UPSers, but primarily the driver. And it was a little bit counterintuitive. We had a long, long session in California with the publisher and the marketing people about the title. Originally, it was uh, what can what Brown did for me. Remember that commercial it used to be what can Brown do for you? Oh yeah, yeah. And uh, and and uh, I guess I was the oldest person in the room, but all the other people, there's only one that says, "Oh, I remember that." But anyway, we talked <laughs> about it and said, "Okay, let's try to figure out uh, the title." And I was against it because. Uh, when people see the title and pick it up, they're going to think, I think, that what can a driver teach me? What do they know about leadership? Well, they do know a lot, but uh, being counterintuitive, I thought that maybe the customers would get an interest in it, the drivers would get an interest in it, and others, and uh, it does raise a certain amount of curiosity, or at least I hope it does, so that's how we ended up with the title. Yeah, oh, interesting. Well, and one of the biggest things that you you talk about in the book, and you, in fact, you quote and say, one of the biggest things that Brown did for me was to give me a PhD in teamwork. And what you just mentioned a moment ago is the driver, of course, is the most visible part of the organization, um, but there's there's hundreds of thousands of people behind the scenes that most of, most of us don't see on a daily basis. I'm curious how your perspective changed on teamwork during your career at UPS. It always comes down to the people. And for repeat business, and, uh, and in our case, uh, we try to almost uh, follow what UPS does. We make our customers our friends and uh, know them on a personal basis. And you can never forget where you come from, and uh, that's the that's the real value of UPS. Uh, it's a, a whole lot of people doing their jobs. We don't have any superstars. We don't have any heroes. It's just a lot of ordinary people that take responsibility and and run the company like they own it because most of them do. So there's a lot of delegation. Uh, we've always heard about surround yourself with great people. We look at the, our porters and our car washers as great people. 
that's why we have uh, an open door policy and that's why we are on a first name basis and most of the things uh, invented if you will at ups didn't come from uh, somebody in an office an IE person it came from uh, people on the front line uh, drivers for an example a driver uh, thought about uh, shells in a package car which we didn't have for years so it really is a, a group effort and uh, uh, it, it, it's always about the uh, the people and uh, and uh, strong teams. Uh, uh, leadership is important, obviously, but uh, when it comes down to doing a job every single day, day in and day out, it's always the people on that front line that makes it happen. Your team is a reflection, I think, of your beliefs. Uh, there are your eyes, your ears, your hands, your feet, and they interact with customers and each other, and uh, you are totally dependent on them, especially in a company the size of UPS. Well, one of the things I was really interested in your perspective on in thinking about advancing one's career is, um, you know, UPS by by what I've what I know of the organization, what I've hear from your book, and what you've just said is very much a, a culture that's built on teamwork, and uh, and our career advancement. I know for a lot of us, and certainly I've often thought this way, that my career advancement is ultimately my responsibility of how I develop myself and continue to move forward in my career. And and so I'm I'm curious of how you navigated this, Ron, in your career, because a lot of us, we have this dual thing we're holding at the same time. On one level, we want to be great leaders bring tons of value to the organization and serve people well. And we also want to advance our careers. And I'm curious how you navigated this in your career of how did you set goals on your career timeline? And did you set goals on where you wanted to go in your career and how you navigated that? Uh, I did. It's a question that can demand a lot of different answers. Uh, Being a successful leader, uh, there's a lot of pieces to that puzzle. And uh, I get that question quite a bit, and you know, as it comes out, what's that one thing? And there really isn't that one thing. But if there was that one thing, it's uh, it's uh, people relationships. A CEO or a leader of big groups or even small groups, for the most part, are only good at one or two things, and that's what they should concentrate on. Then they should surround themselves with people, make sure they get the right training, and clear the right, uh, share the right vision with you. Uh, and then get out of their way and let them do it. And you concentrate on a, on a bigger picture. But I guess as far as myself, I did have goals. I wasn't sure uh, where I was going with it. But uh, like most people in advance, I think they have just an insane commitment to the job. Uh, I think they have the ability to uh, have the foresight to get good mentors. Uh, I think they have a way and modesty to bring attention to themselves. At the same time, they shouldn't seek the spotlight. Uh, they shouldn't be credit grabbers, if you would. Uh, but they they need to bring attention to themselves, and you know some of that is uh, just longer hours and uh, and bringing value and making others look good, uh, taking on uh, real problems and be a fixer. It's something that uh, that hasn't been done before. You know, no, <laughs> volunteer for everything. Get on the right committees. Get on the uh, the right groups, be seen, be noticed, uh, get with uh, top-level people, and then tell your supervisors and others what your goals are. Tell them you want to move up in the company, because a lot of times people uh, just don't notice you, but mm. uh, you need to be noticed. I think any time that a leader puts themselves in a position to really move forward, 
they've already focused on the the people around them. Uh, they become, uh, as an hourly person, almost an informal leader. They're not in a position to do the minimum required. They're not there for a paycheck. And the people in upper management uh, will notice that. Obviously, depending on what kind of job you, you do, you want to do it with high quality. You want to do it with high efficiency. You want to. Uh, if you really have that, that heart and that desire to move forward, and it's not easy, uh, you have to be better than everybody else. You have to outperform everybody else. You have to uh, uh, be that leader, and you have to be engaged and, uh, and understand the company, study it from frontwards to backwards, the history, the policies, the practices, and, and uh, at any level, know that really well, and then not be hesitant to be accountable for your actions. And I think uh, that's a lot of words, uh, uh, but it is a big picture, and uh, and I think that's that's the way to be it. And then when you're in that leadership position, remember where you came from, and help others move up. Uh, believe truly in a succession plan. And lastly, I'll just say praise good work, hold people accountable, inspire, hold them to strict stand standards, and above and beyond anything, be a leader, not a boss. Anybody can order things done because of their rank or their uh, position in the company. Oh, good stuff. There is so much there we can unpack. And I, I, I'd love to zero in on one of those uh, areas. I think, um, I think sometimes the practical side of like how to set some of those goals is the thing that challenges some people. Um, and I'm curious if you can recall a time in your career, Ron, where you uh, did set a career goal and that it you found that it was helpful to you at that time to take action to do some of those things. And I'm just curious what you like, how you frame that. What was a goal you set? After I got promoted, I was moved to uh, Seattle. Uh, I was a supervisor in the uh, center. We had about 150 employees. There was about you know, probably 1,500 employees in the building divided up into different uh, groups, centers, and hubs. My manager took an interest in me. He became my mentor. He was probably as good as anybody in the building, but one of his early suggestions, which I followed and certainly recommend, is, is get to know these other 150 people in the building, these other managers, and see what they do well. And he pointed out by name a lot of them. And so just go work with him, talk to him, copy the good things they do. And then you're going to see people that don't do so well and just uh, put them on ignore and, and uh, see uh, what makes them not as good. And uh, I think that was the strongest advice. Uh, I quickly, early in my career, uh, let it be known that I wanted to work any and every job. I wanted to be in a rotating basis. I wanted to work all the staff departments, which I did, uh, HR, industrial engineering, um, tracking, tra- everything, accounting. I worked in automotive for a while. I let it be known I was uh, willing to work nights, so I was placed in a hub and a preload. So uh, I really pushed myself to get into uh, all kinds of positions and get all kinds of experience. So when that next move became available, I was more than ready. And then those those moves did become available. And I think I had a strong resume as I worked myself uh, all the way up uh, into the president uh, role. Indeed. And one of the things I'm, I'm thinking about as you're saying that is um, many of the leaders I've talked to have been on the show before have mentioned that they've they've hit times in their careers where even though they've had cr- tremendous success, that they've run into obstacles. And I, I, I'm curious if there were times that you felt like you were giving a lot in your career and not seeing some of the results in the short to medium term that you wanted. 
I was anxious, but I moved uh, fairly quickly. Uh, the longest uh, period I had was as a UPS package driver, which was almost six years. Then I was moved to Seattle, where as a supervisor, I became a center manager uh, very quickly. And and I think this helped me a lot. I, I, I took over probably our worst center maybe in the UPS system. It was just a total disaster. And uh, was able, with some, a lot of help from good people, to turn that around. And I opened Alaska. We had uh, some setbacks there. And from Alaska, I was called uh, by the president. And and uh, I was assigned of, um, uh, to Hawaii. Eventually, I opened up Alaska and then ended up in uh, Germany for six years. So I, I was able to move. Uh, fairly quickly. Was there disappointments and landmines uh, throughout the whole thing? Yeah, absolutely. The toughest assignment other than this uh, center that was in, in terrible shape probably was the opening of Alaska. I made so many mistakes there, and uh, uh, we got through it, but it was um, it was not a smooth opening uh, uh, when we opened Anchorage. Oh, what, what was a mistake that you made that you learned from? I got a call uh, one day to see the district manager I was in Seattle, and I uh, went into his office, and he said, uh, I need to move you for about a year. And he says, uh, it's going to happen very quickly. And he said, uh, you're going to go to Alaska, and you're going to open up Anchorage. And I thought, oh, my gosh, uh, really? <laughs> so I'm going to be away from home for a year. I'm going to go probably one of the coldest places in the country where it's probably the strongest union at that time ever. But anyway, uh, he said, you got about three weeks and put a team together, so I did. And then we did a lot of preliminary work, uh, connections in Alaska and Anchorage, uh, uh, put a team together uh, to forecast the volume, which I approved, and uh, that was our first mistake. We estimated for the first six or seven weeks, we get about 50 packages a day. We had a small aircraft that we had leased from Flying Tigers at the time. So anyway, we put all that together. Uh, we went to Anchorage um, and opened up this very little building. It happened to be part of the Flying Tigers building. And uh, we hired some people. We had four or five little vans uh, that we had leased locally. You cannot buy trucks in Anchorage. You have to move them up from the lower 48. Uh, so we were ready to go. Uh, we had a lot of dignitaries out there. We had the press out there. and. Uh, uh, the normal opening ceremonies, and the plane pulled up and started unloading containers, realizing there's about 400 packages in a container. So mm -hmm. we're sitting there ready for our 50 packages, and they load unloaded container after container after container. So all of a sudden, we're sitting there with about 2,000 packages. I didn't need five drivers and small vans. I needed about 30 drivers and big trucks. Wow. So uh, you, <laughs> the rest of the story you can see is... Uh, uh, not a great opening, but it was my fault. Uh, we under-projected under the volume so bad. So I called to Seattle, and uh, they put an army of people together. And this is all in the book, by the way. Put uh, two drivers with extra tires and tools and, and uh, sent them to Alaska. Sent them over the Alcan Highway, which is about 2,000 miles, mostly dirt and gravel roads. And So anyway, we recovered, but uh, that was probably one of the biggest errors and most embarrassing moments I had because uh, we were in deep trouble from day one and it got worse almost every day until we got the army there and the bigger vehicles and, and uh, recovered. But anyway, lessons learned. As a result of that experience, how do you approach new situations today in the, not only in the work you're doing now, but also in the mentoring you're doing with other leaders? The old saying, uh, test early and fail fast, uh, is really good. 
and it, and as UPS and anything you do, it's opening a restaurant. I'm also, I don't know if you know, I'm in law enforcement. I have a music company based in Nashville, and uh, we do commercial building and uh, several other things. But they're, they're all kind of the same, much smaller. But I can relate back to the UPS days and, and the thought process and the planning process and the validation process and that holds true no matter what you're doing so my suggestion probably not different than anybody else that's went through those experiences is uh you just be careful at planning put a lot of eyes and ears on it get uh, more brain power in it test it if you can and experiment and uh take baby steps and uh, go one step at a time Ron, we keep hearing that advice on the show of test quickly, fail fast. <laughs> and uh, it's amazing how many times that comes up in organizations of every size of successful leaders who've, who've learned that lesson in so many ways. You know, speaking of lessons learned, uh, I get this, I get an email that sounds like this from listeners in our community fairly often. And usually it's framed something like this they'll say something like, I'm, I'm doing everything I can to lead my team well, I'm adding value to the organization, I'm working the long hours, I'm hitting the metrics I'm supposed to hit, and it seems like the opportunities keep passing me by. And it's interesting to me, Ron, that mostly I get that email from women, it seems like. I'm wondering what's been your experience leading a global organization like UPS that you've seen has been a difference maker, and particularly for women who've had success in advancing their careers. We, years ago, before it was popular, before it was uh, regulated, before it was demanded by our government, we were, we were truly diversified, both in the uh, minority roles and the female roles. If you look throughout the company, uh, in every position, we have females on the board, uh, on the management committee, in higher positions, region managers, district managers, all the way through. So we never seen a dis- difference, and that was in this that was in the 60s. And my experience is that uh, our females, especially in operations, do a little better generally. I, I don't know if they're more trying to prove themselves. I think they learn a little quicker. They're a little smarter in my experience. Uh, the drivers have a uh, kind of an embedded respect for them. So uh, I've heard that same question before. I, I put on a, uh, a presentation and uh, we had about 20 females in a room, and that came up consistently. And uh, I, I can't speak on the policies or practices of other companies, but uh, I suggested to them that they become a squeaky wheel, that they make sure their supervisor knows that they want to advance, and they have, they have obligations to build that resume and do all the things I mentioned earlier about getting on every committee, trying to get rotated, uh, work every job, work longer, harder, outperform everybody else. And once they're at that level, uh, they need to become a squeaky wheel. And if the media supervisor isn't le- listening, go as high as you have to. Call call for a meeting with that CEO and just say, hey, I want to advance. This is what I've done. I know that uh, you probably have never heard my name, but I just want you to know me. And uh, it's back to that thing of uh, bringing attention to yourself and, and being noticed. Uh, I'm not sure it's uh, unique to females because we have others that have that same feeling that they've felt that they've outperformed everybody, worked harder, and maybe there's some favoritism floating around within the culture, and uh, the the friends of uh, the people that do the promoting get an unfair advantage. And uh, if that's the case, then I think somebody higher up that should know better 
uh, needs to know that as well. And uh, again, uh, uh, I'm not encouraging anybody to be a complainer because that'll probably set you back a little bit. But opening your mouth and telling people what you're feeling is uh, in the right way is probably a good thing. Well, and speaking of noticing things, I did notice uh, on UPS's website that the management committee, board of directors, there's multiple women who are in very high-level uh, positions of leadership within the organization. So it's uh, it is one of those things I've I've certainly seen that does vary uh, for better or worse substantially between organizations. So it's uh, it's exciting to hear UPS has has had such a great track record on that. Speaking of of track records, uh, you and I were talking earlier before we started recording. Uh, you mentioned that you have a favorite story that uh, came out of your work that you did on this book. I was wondering if you could share that with us. Uh, just before I retired, I visited the Philippines for a very specific reason. The reason was that the air operations outside of Manila was by far the highest productive, the best service, the lowest turnover, the lowest claims. I mean, it was best by a lot of every operation in the entire world. So before I retired, I ended up in the Philippines at Clark Air Force Base, which I uh, was uh, a part of opening years before. And when I walked in the building, I'd heard about a manager that I sort of knew earlier, but uh, named Ed. And when I walked in the building, it was like a a party atmosphere. People were happy. Uh, You could just see efficiency everywhere. Everybody was talking to each other. And it it was one of those things that you just knew things were right. And not always high efficiency and high quality is dictated by physical uh, equipment, processes, procedures, policies, and all of that. Sometimes it's back to what we talked about earlier. It's human relations that makes makes it tick. So anyway, we walked through the hub, and Ed introduced me to every single employee, which were hundreds, by first name. And in most cases, he, he made a comment, well, how's the baby? Uh, that was born two weeks ago, or uh, I heard your dog had pups. And I think, how does he know all these people so well? And then I started thinking, you know, this is what everything is about. This is teamwork. This is people. So anyway, after about a two-hour visit, meeting every single person, you could just tell that they, they had the utmost respect and love for Ed. So I brought Ed in the office, and I said, Ed, you, you are doing so well. How do you do this? And Ed said, in all the modesty in the world, he says, it's my four faiths. And here's where I thought, if I would have known this before, I could have written this book on a postcard. And Ed said, it's my four faiths. And he says, really, tell me about that. He said, I believe in God. I believe in my company. I believe in myself. And I believe in my workers who just happen to be my best friends. And I thought, that sums it up. That's why it's my favorite story. Ron Wallace is the former president of UPS and the author of the book, Leadership Lessons from a UPS Driver, Delivering a Culture of We, Not Me. Ron, thanks a ton for your time. You're welcome. Thanks for having me. Thank you so much, Ron. It's really an impressive culture at UPS. And uh, even in spite of that impressive culture, though, it even at UPS, it's it's up to each individual to drive their own career. And I'm very conscious of the fact that there's people listening that you may work in an organization where you don't have quite that same kind of culture around you. And it is ultimately, even in the best organizations with great cultures, it's ultimately up to each one of us 
to drive our own career development. And I'm reminded of the advice I received from a mentor a while back, which is you have to be getting as much as you're giving in your professional relationships, especially. We could make the argument even for any relationship in your life, but particularly in your professional space. And that seems counterintuitive sometimes to a lot of us who have heard the advice over the years is, you know, we should give without expectation of anything in return. And, and of course, that is a great attitude to have to bring joy and value into the world. And at the same time, it's also important for each one of us to have the expectations, the kind of career path and the attitude to be able to benefit ourselves from the work that we're doing for the organization and for our customers as much as they're benefiting from us. Because if we don't have that over the long term, I'm not talking about today or this week or even this month. Uh, there's always times that we're going to be giving more than we're receiving. But, but over the long term, if the organization isn't doing as much for you as you're doing for the organization, you're going to feel a sense of resentment. And this isn't a call, by the way, to leave your organization or even leave the position in your organization, but rather to rethink about how you approach your daily activities, the kinds of requests you make for new assignments, the advocacy you do in what you're going to do next in your career and what you're going to focus on and what you say to your manager and how you structure those relationships if you can approach that from the standpoint of how do I benefit just as much as the organization is benefiting, how do we win together in partnership and be thinking about this as, forgive the cliche, a win-win for all parties, that's huge. Most of the people I know who have had great careers have constantly thought about how do I do right by the organization and the customers and my colleagues, and also how do I frame that as being really valuable for my own career development too. And I've been amazed in my own career and careers of clients over the years at how often there are so many opportunities to make that happen every single day. So I would challenge you to do the exact same thing. I also am going to challenge you to join the weekly leadership guide. If you haven't already, you will get this episode, episode show notes and also my handpicked resources for your leadership development that come in your inbox every Wednesday. When you join the first time, you'll also get instant access to my reader's guide that lists the 10 leadership books that I think will help you to get the best results from others. It's a great starting point. If you've not done a lot of reading on leadership before, reading any one of these books will help get you started on that journey. You can join not only the weekly leadership guide, but get access to that at coachingforleaders.com slash subscribe. And I look forward to you joining in with uh, uh, several thousand others of us who are uh, participating in that conversation each week on Wednesdays. Now, a few related episodes to today's conversation. One of the things I think is so critical for career development is just our own mental attitude and, and how we're thinking about things in ourself and between our own two ears. And three episodes in the past that will support you with that as well. Episode 85 was titled 10 Ways to Pick Yourself Up When You're Beaten Down. If you're beaten down right now and uh, we all hit that point in our careers, episode 85 will give you some strategies and tools to pick yourself back up and to continue to move forward. It's not if you're going to fall off the horse or get knocked down. It's how you respond when that happens. Episode 85 
is there for the strategies on how to do that. Also, episode 97, Three Ways to Reinvent Your Career with my friend and coach Donna Schilder. That episode, we talked about some of the strategies you can use if you're thinking about trying to reinvent yourself and take the next step. So I'd encourage you to check out episode 97 for that. And then finally, episode 134, The Secret to Happiness. It's probably the shortest episode in the Coaching for Leaders library, but it's got a powerful message and it's actually a pretty simple message. And if you will follow it, I think you'll find that your happiness level will go up. And next episode, I am really glad to welcome Nancy Duarte and her colleague, Patty Sanchez. They are from the firm Duarte. It is probably the preeminent firm in the world, in my opinion, at least on presentation, communication, storytelling, design. They've worked with all of the top organizations out there. They are going to be on the show to discuss how leaders can use presentations, and storytelling to transform their work and their organizations. They've got a new book out in addition to several of their other books that I've recommended for years. So I look forward to you joining in the conversation with me and Nancy and Patty next week. Have a fabulous week and I'll look forward to seeing you next Monday. Take care.